0: Hello and welcome to the first edition of The Shipping Brief, a podcast brought to you by Stevenson Harwood in Hong Kong. My name is Andrew Rigdon-Green and I'm joined by my colleague Elizabeth Sloan. We are both English and Hong Kong qualified lawyers working in the maritime and international trade sectors. Over the last few weeks, we have dealt with a large number of legal questions resulting from the COVID-19 outbreak which the World Health Organization has now declared a public health emergency of international concern. Although the outbreak of COVID-19 continues to evolve, at the time of recording some of the issues we have already seen are the suspension of sales contracts which have resulted in the premature termination of shipping or other connected contracts, requests for bespoke wording to be added to contracts to protect parties trading to or in China, and notices of force majeure that have been precipitated by the economic effects of the outbreak. In this podcast, we will share our knowledge to give you an overview of some of the legal issues you might face if COVID-19 is affecting your business. We will cover force majeure, charter party issues, finance and insurance, all in 10 minutes.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Force majeure would be a good place to start. There has been a lot of discussion about force majeure over the past few weeks and whether COVID-19 is, or will become, a force majeure event. We have heard reports of companies issuing blanket force majeure notices to their trading partners and certain authorities in mainland China issuing notices said to exempt performance by Chinese companies. So what is a force majeure notice? And what is the consequence of giving or receiving such a notice? Point one, and probably the most important point to take away from this podcast, is that force majeure does not have a special legal meaning under English or Hong Kong law. This is not necessarily the case under other systems of law, but certainly under English and Hong Kong law, the term force majeure is only given a legal meaning by the clauses and definitions in the contract itself. Some contracts might apply force majeure to a pandemic, others to an epidemic, others still to an infectious or contagious disease harmful to human health. Alternatively, the force majeure event might not be triggered by the virus itself, but under a secondary trigger, such as a government intervention limb. For example, where there has been a declaration of port closure by a central government or other authority. Clauses may also contain catch-all wording referring to all events or circumstances beyond the foresight or control of the parties. COVID-19 or its ripple effects may fall within the ambit of such a clause. So first and foremost, you need to read your contract equally. The second point is that there is no universal consequence of a force majeure notice. The effect the notice has will depend on what the contract says. It is not necessarily the case that the contract will be terminated. Many force majeure clauses will operate to suspend performance until the end of the force majeure event. For example, the GAFTA standard prevention of shipment clause or, in a shipbuilding context, the concept of permissible delay. On the other hand, a force majeure clause drafted differently might operate to bring the entire contract to an end. The third point to bear in mind in relation to force majeure is that if you tender a force majeure notice and a force majeure event has not in fact been triggered, then you may yourself then be in repudatory breach of contract so it may not have the consequence intended. The fourth and final point to be aware of is that if you are sitting in the middle of a chain of trading contracts, what may be a force majeure event under one contract may not be a force majeure event under another connected or related contract. There is therefore potential for this to cause an uneven allocation of loss across a chain of international trading contracts. This issue is complicated by the fact that many civil law jurisdictions, including China, allow parties to plead force majeure as of right, irrespective of whether or not there is a force majeure clause in the contract. If different contracts are subject to different governing laws, this may impact on a party's ability to plead force majeure within the same set of commercial relationships. Thanks, Liz. In addition
0: to force majeure, we have been asked a large number of questions relating to chartering and ship operations, time and voyage charters, and contracts of a freightment. I will touch briefly on some of the issues to watch out for when looking at the allocation of risk between owners and charterers. Looking first at seaworthiness, a vessel may become unfit to receive and carry cargo after calling at an area infected with COVID-19 either if she is refused entry to a subsequent port or if compulsory quarantine or fumigation is required. This may make the vessel unable to carry the intended cargo. Owners may then be in breach of their obligation to provide a seaworthy ship. In addition, if a vessel has called at an infected area or crew has joined from an infected area or has fallen sick, The vessel may not have sufficient crew to provide the service required. The vessel may be unseaworthy or may be placed off hire. Turning now to off hire, in most time charters, no hire is payable for time lost caused by a deficiency of men or by any other cause preventing the full working of the vessel. The issue of delays or deviations caused by quarantine May also place the vessel off higher. Quarantine processes as a result of infected crew members may amount to a deficiency of men, whilst activities such as fumigation may prevent the full working of a vessel. We have also been asked to consider whether ports within infected areas are safe. If a particular port is not safe, then owners may be able to refuse to comply with charterers' orders. The question to ask, therefore, is whether there is a risk to the crew which may render the vessel unseaworthy. However, if the risk is simply that the vessel may be quarantined at her next port of call, this may not be enough to make the port unsafe. If a charter contains an express quarantine clause, charterers' liability for delay from quarantine declared after charters have given owners orders, owners will not be entitled to demurrage in respect of such delay. Some charters require a vessel to be free from contagious disease before laytime can commence. Others allow notice of readiness to be tendered whether in free pratique or not. The question as to whether additional quarantine requirements or health inspections are exceptions to laytime will depend on the wording of the charter. Owners and ship managers also have responsibility under employment law to take full precautions to protect their crew by overseeing hygiene, reporting any symptoms, and limiting crew's exposure to COVID-19. Last but not least, the Hague or Hague-Visby rules may exempt carriers from any loss or damages arising or resulting from quarantine restrictions. The deviation exceptions may also protect a carrier for deviation in order to save life at sea. The effects of COVID-19 are not limited to ship operations, however. The ship finance industry will also be affected.
1: Well, there are a few points to bear in mind looking at COVID-19 from a financier's perspective. Where a lending or leasing arrangement involves a bareboat charter with a hell or high water payment cost the borrower or charterer will be required to pay higher no matter what. So that's regardless of whether the ship is earning. In the current economic climate, the potential problems here are obvious. If the COVID-19 outbreak continues, it's possible that the borrower could re-deliver the vessel under the bareboat charter, or might even become insolvent. In effect, the financier may then be in a situation where it becomes an operational shipowner. And is exposed to the general commercial shipping market. This includes exposure to the operational and legal issues that Andrew has discovered. There may also be an impact on the material adverse change clause or loan-to-value covenants. There may also be an impact on the material adverse change clause or loan-to-value covenants. So Andrew, how about insurance? Is there insurance available to protect against COVID-19 or similar risks?
0: Again, it depends. Insurance is another area of law where, like force majeure, coverage will depend on what is written in the contract. So the starting point is to read the policy. In very general terms, many insurance policies may cover disease, but they will contain exclusions for global pandemics. This is because of the difficulty in understanding the definition of such event. Standard business interruption insurance cover is usually only triggered by physical damage to property or equipment the fact that a virus has emerged does not necessarily mean that there will be physical damage some businesses may have purchased contingent business interruption cover however this will engage only if the specific contingency described in the policy is met for ship owners their pni insurance should cover a number of losses relevant to the covid-19 outbreak For example, delay related to cargo loss, quarantine or port closure issues, or in fact losses arising from crew illness or death, repatriation and substitution. In the event that disputes arise, the legal costs of defending claims may be covered by defence insurance.
1: That's about all we have time for today. In terms of a key takeaway, remember that when interpreting contracts under English and Hong Kong law, There is no one-size-fits-all. Whether something comprises an epidemic or a pandemic or a disease harmful to human health, all of these terms have different legal meanings and consequences in the context of your specific contract. Thanks for listening. We hope it's been useful. If you have any questions or if there's a particular topic that you would like to hear about in our next podcast, please let us know.